Welcome to the fellowship. Adam Hawk here, joined as always by the founder of the Nation Golf Company, Ryan Engel. I've got prescription Flomax coursing through my veins at the very moment. Ryan, what's in your bloodstream on this fine Wednesday morning? A lot of U-band coffee. The best. Yeah, isn't it? You gotta love the U-band coffee. Yeah, I feel bad for people who drink Folgers. I really do. Well, what do you know? Off the top, professional golf is back. And with it, the very first PGA Tour victory for Sahith Thigala. Sahith, a local California kid who's been knocking on the door for quite some time. And from what I know, just one of the all-time good guys out there. So it was great to see him get the win up in Napa at the Fortinet Championship, especially in front of his family and 30 friends. But the bigger news item coming out of the very first PGA Tour stop of the season, our guy, Joe Etter, our very good friend who caddies on tour and who's been on the bag for Pat and Kazire for the last several years, has found new employment. Dun, 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 dun. That's right. Joe Etter, the man who brought the Smoking Tom to the highest level of golf as a sponsored PGA Tour caddy, is no longer with Pat and Kazire, and instead he is now looping for Davis Thompson. This is Nation Golf News because for the last two seasons, we have sponsored Joe Etter. He's become a great friend of ours. He brought the insignia of Ryan's grandfather inside the ropes at the very highest level. Many of you noticed this weekend that Patton and Joe weren't together. So even though we've known about this for quite some time, the cat is out of the bag, or in this case, the cat is off the bag. And now we can talk about it. Let's just say this. Everyone's thinking about it. How do you feel? How do we feel? How do you feel? How can you feel about the breakup of our two buddies? Shit happens in the professional game. We're aware of this. Two things can be correct at the same time, Adam. We can love both the guys, and we can wish both the guys well. Patton, we know you're going to get in that winner's circle. You know what I want? I want a sudden death playoff between Joe and Patton, dude. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? No, that would be fantastic. That would be great. So, yes, as Ryan mentioned, Joe Edder and Patton Kazire are two of our faves. They had a very amicable, very professional split at the end of last season. We have spoken to them both and obviously wish them each nothing but the best. For Joe Edder, he is now with Davis Thompson, who you might remember as the kid who just about ran down John Rahm at last year's Bob Hope Desert Classic, and he finished just outside the top 70 last year and barely missed the FedEx Cup playoffs. So he's a stick, 25 years old, from Alabama, now living in Georgia. Joe and Davis knew each other before teaming up, so it's an exciting gig for Joe. They just finished T30 at Napa after their first 72-hole walk together. Good for 40 Gs, a nice start to the partnership here is the other side of the coin, the bad news. Davis Thompson is a Nike guy, which means Joe Etter is now a Nike guy. So for now, Nation and the Smoking Tom are off of the PGA Tour. What kind of hat is he going to wear? I don't know. <laughs> Does Nike even like make good hats? We know the answer to that. <laughs> And we don't need to get into it because now we are fully pulling for Davis Thompson, the Nike guy, and fully pulling for Joe Edder to make as much cash as he can out there. 
And right now, Joe Edder does is, not have a say in what he's wearing. Is Nike even correct? Shouldn't it be like Nick or Nike? Oh, because of the spelling? <laughs> yeah, like I, Nike. I don't know if that's how you would say that in real life. I, I was nervous to bring this topic up because as soon as I knew we were going to get to it, I knew you were going to go all in on how much you hate Nike. You have famously said that Nike- Nike ru- ruined golf. Okay. We're trying to get into the good graces of Davis Thompson, and here you are going after his clothing sponsor. Well, who cares? Get your bag. Good for you. He probably wouldn't be buying that stuff if he had the choice. Let's just be honest, folks. This is an honest show, and I'm an honest guy. Well, it was a good two-year run for Nation <laughs> and the Smoking Tom. What's the Tom. big deal, Adam? Why, why, you, you, why you have such a hard-on for Nikkei, dude? I don't I, understand. I do not have... A Flomax hard on for Nikkei. I just You're the one talking about your penile veins on the internet right now, dude. I just want to make sure that the first time we meet Davis Thompson, he doesn't extend his hand and say, Thanks for talking a lot of shit about the people that pay my bills on your podcast. Well, the good news is not only does nobody listen to the show, but I don't think Mr. Thompson does as well. Well, he might not, but we know that Joe Edder does. And when you say nobody listens to the show, I understand that it's your shtick to come in as unprepared as possible. But I am the one uploading these podcasts and looking at the analytics, and quite a few people do listen to this show. And as you know, the internet makes the world a very, very small place and a very, very fast place, so this can get shared out to Mr. Thompson very, very quickly. Congratulations, Adam. Okay, very good. Anyway, we're off the PGA Tour. It was a good two-year run. Are we mad? No. To have the insignia of the Smoking Tom, your grandpa, Ryan, on tour at the last 60 events over the past couple of years, especially at the Bob Hope Desert Classic, the U.S. Open, the Players, Riviera, honestly, that's been a thrill. And we'll be back. Whether we get back there with Joe or not doesn't change our friendship with Joe. And we are already looking forward to that dinner at LG Steakhouse in February out in La Quinta. Yeah, especially since now we can probably split the tab with Joe. I think we need to pay the full pop this time, you know? It depends how paid up we are with Joe That's true. We, by the time we get there. A full disclosure, folks, we still owe Joe some money. So let it be known that we will be paying a PGA Tour caddy to wear Nike. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you want to talk about your all-time backfires and just a overdose of irony. Yeah, it's like Nike is having the last laugh now. As they always do. Yeah. But can't wait to see Joe out in the desert. We will be pulling for him. And yes, we will not let the money that we owe him or the Nike hat on his head or the amicable split with Pat and Kazire get in the way of a great, great friendship. Before we move on from pro golf, I do want to say that I watched some of the Champions Tour over the weekend. Why did I watch some of the Champions Tour over the Couldn't weekend? Couldn't tell you. Anything to avoid the National Football League. <laughs> I'm now going out of my way to watch anything that isn't the NFL. And I want to say this. I know we talk a lot about how much we hate football on this iPod broadcast, but I think it's time to pass a new law in this country where when someone starts to talk about football, it comes with a listener discretion advised warning. You know how cigarettes have these warning labels because of the health consequences? Talking about football should have something similar because it causes brain damage listening to it. So I'm proposing that Congress passes a law requiring someone to give a verbal warning that they're about to start talking about football 
I can get as far away as possible and preserve what little brain cells I have left. All in favor, say aye. Aye. All right, this has just been a world of fun so far. You have been on your phone nonstop and now yawning. I know. Isn't it wild? The more coffee I drink, the more I yawn. The shit does not have an effect on me. Speaking of golf podcasts, I do listen to a few golf podcasts. I'm not going to name this one by name, but I did hear an ad on this golf podcast for a company, a new company called Rad Golf. R-A-D? R-A-D. Rad Golf. I would have given them more props if it was W-R-A-D. Yeah. (laughs) Rad. (laughs) So clearly they took a long time trying to figure out what to call themselves. It's better than fade, draw, two putt, slice, bogey boys. Bogey. Come on, you guys. Do us all a favor. Golf's on a downward climb right now. Just go away. Well, Rad Golf is not going away. They are clearly bankrolled if they're buying podcast commercial real estate on such a big show. Again, not going to mention the name of that show. But Rad Golf is a Bluetooth speaker company, and guess what their whole gimmick is? Their Bluetooth speaker, according to the podcast ad I heard, is preloaded with fart noises and air horns that you can play while your buddies are teeing off or lining up for a shot. And I'll just say it, I'll declare it right now, golf is dead. It's over. This is what it's come to. We now have companies called Rad Golf making Bluetooth speakers where you can play fart noises and air horns while your buddies are lining up for their shot. And not only are they making this product, they have enough money to get an ad on a very popular podcast, and that podcast takes that money and pumps it out like it's a good thing. This is golf, not a Spencer's gift shop, not a Dick's Last Resort, not a prank store, not a jackass movie. What the hell are we doing and why is this respectable golf podcast taking money from a company advertising a bluetooth speaker that plays fart noises and air horns my god what are we doing should we just wrap it up i would bet that the owners of that company have that all over print golf shirt that has the swimmers all over it they're probably addicted to porn and big nfl fans just taking a fucking blind swipe at it guys And we like to call these types of boys that refuse to grow up into men, Peter Pants. Yeah. That's what they are. Because why would you want to grow up and be dignified when you can be playing preloaded whoopee cushion noises during golf? Enough time has passed. We're 45 episodes in. We've been at it together for four years. You've been at it. Are you quitting? Alone. Is this your letter of resignation? Since 2008. We've been at it for a while. Are you ready to get canceled? (laughs) What? I have a take that is going to kill this company, get me fired from the SCGA, and make us both unemployable for the rest of time. What do we have to lose, Adam? As you say that through a yawn. Yeah. I mean, what is going on with you? I need another cup of U-Bam. What can I say? Or a stiff drink. Be prepared to argue the other side of this take as quick as you can so you can save your own future. Are you ready? Okay. Did you know that California is the most golf-starved state in the country? Now, what does golf-starved mean? According to the National Golf Foundation, no state has more golfers and less golf holes available per capita. Essentially, there's not enough golf to go around, not enough available golf to go around for how many people play it. And we all know they aren't building more golf courses. In fact, here in California, 
all our elected officials are constantly trying to shut them down. So where is there a bunch of green grass that can be used or repurposed for golf courses? Graveyards. Oh, my God. You heard me. Cemeteries. Stop. Stop. We have 3,000 boneyards in California, and by my back-of-the-napkin math, that's a whole lot of nine-hole golf courses we could make. (laughs) Now, look, am I a bad guy for wanting to go peel a divot off of Agnes's 1708 burial site? Oh, my God. Am I a terrible human for wanting to give a whole new meaning to the phrase sculling it? Yes, it's disrespectful and a morbid idea. I understand that. But am I the only one who drives by a cemetery and thinks, damn, that could be a golf course? Some of the cemeteries are pretty budget. But every now and then you go by one and you go, wow, that is some real tight (laughs) kakuya, dude. (laughs) You know? You're like, I'll tell you what, whoever the uh, director of greenskeeping at a cemetery, what are those guys called? Director of bones? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Whoever the bone director is over there. He's got all the right nitrogen. He's really handled the weeds correctly. Keeps the blades on the mower sharp. Yeah, I'm telling you. You know how that what separates the really nice courses from like just the whatever courses? The whatever courses, they got the fairway and then the rough. And they got the green and then the rough. What really separates is when they take the extra mile and they give you that second cut. A little second cut. I mean, who doesn't like a little second cut? Especially if it's sharp, like he just came out of the barber chair, you know? I'm telling you, some of these some of these boneyards, they have a nice second cut all over, you know? <laughs> yeah. Now, what's great is I told you to be prepared to argue the other side of this as quickly as possible to save us. Well, I'm from... a big grass guy. Adam. Yeah. I'm and, a big grass and guy. I've already... I think it's a horrible thing you've said. Yep. I think it's disrespectful for the deceased Absolutely. and the families. That being said, great plot of land. And if you already got a nice rooted old growth kakuya sitting in there, man, I'll tell you. And what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to get haunted? Golf is already haunting, so bring on the demons. What's one more with this silly little game? And here's the other thing. If you live in Los Angeles, then you know that the Hollywood Forever Cemetery frequently hosts movie screenings in their graveyard. And I myself have laid out a blanket and gotten drunk over some dead guy and watched The Big Lebowski with hundreds of other people before. So what's the difference between playing golf on top of a bunch of bones taking a dirt nap? And watching a flicker picture. Fair point. Here's the other thing. Burial is expensive. It's a huge use of space. It's not environmentally friendly. And you could argue that repurposing graveyards into golf courses would push us towards being a cremation nation. And if the dude and Walter can use a can of Folgers for Donnie, why can't we all? Let's touch real quick on the on the fact. And I'm not agreeing with you. I'm just I'm just throwing some ambiguous points out there. Let's touch on the fact. The casket thing's a big racket. Everyone knows it, dude. Are they fancy and nice? Yes. But let's just consider what they're being used for and the price gouge that they're giving you. Why is this thing inflated 700%? And who's going to see it? It's six (laughs) feet underground. I think you're coming around on this take. I mean, obviously, it's fun, funny, great job coming up with this. I'm sure you're very proud. It's never going to happen. No, of course it's not. And I'm going to hell for even saying it, and I didn't actually mean any of it. It's just a joke. I'll tell you what. I'm going to make you a deal. If you go before me, I'm going to bring a Hogan nine iron with me and one ball. (laughs) And after we hoist your ass down there, I'm going to throw it on that little tight Kakuya. I'm going to see how it feels to hit a golf shot on that property. (laughs) All of a sudden, you'll see my thumb emerge from the dirt, (laughs) just like Phil Mickelson. 
Thumbs up, buddy. Play well today. Uh, thumbs up is so cool, but Phil Mickelson has the biggest cheese dick thumbs up, I think, in the history of not sport, mankind. Phil Mickelson made some news over the weekend. He went on Instagram and posted a statement. I wish I had it in front of me. But oh, I saw that. He's not going to bet on football this year because his gambling got out of control. He thanked his wife, Amy, for being by his side. He then said he confused his friends who were actually enablers of his habit. And I think somewhere in there he had mentioned that he hadn't been gambling for a couple of years, which is interesting because Live Golf just put out a video where Bryson and Phil played for like $1,000 a hole. So I don't know what timeline he's looking at. Truth be told, Adam, if I were a betting man, (laughs) I would bet that his PR team got a raise recently. This looks like to me just some good work on their end. (laughs) Right. And it's interesting you bring up the PR team because Phil Mickelson's old gambling cohort who went and did some time in the clink, I think his name was Billy Walters. Does that sound right? Mm Mm-hmm. Something happened between Phil and this guy, and this guy went and ended up doing jail time, and there was a big falling out. That guy has a book coming out, and Phil is a huge part of that book. And that book either just hit or is about to hit, so it's really no surprise to see Phil going on Instagram and posting a four-slide statement. A little damage control. And not just damage control, preventative damage control. That's like me going to the Fullerton sand pit, filling up some bags and getting ready for Hurricane Hillary. I see things like this happen a lot, whether it's athletes or celebrities or you know anyone in the public eye that has a fall, a hiccup, something that's substantial. Let's take Phil Mickelson. This guy has won a bajillion tournaments on the PGA Tour, was like 40-something. He solidified his legacy. He had a rare late in his life and career major championship win and then this whole live thing and the gambling thing it's unraveled for him quite a bit as far as the public eye is concerned you see this happen so many times these guys it's like dude you got all the money in the world you have nothing left to prove what are you doing here's a tip go to your little ranch in san diego at your club travel around play golf go away you don't need to be on social media You don't need to be in the limelight. You don't need to be in front of the camera. What is it, dude? Why do they continue to put themselves in the fire? What is there to gain? Is their narcissism that elevated where you have to continue? For what? What more is he going to gain by continuing to do this? What he's making now for whatever appearances he's doing in these tournaments, getting fucking last place in these live events, it's snickle fritz, dude. He already made his dough. It's over, bro. Go away. You got enough money, dude. Your fucking kids' grandkids are going to be all right. Let me just take the other side purely for argument's sake that it is easy for a quote-unquote sober person to have those thoughts, and all of what you said is really true and probably resonates with a lot of people listening I think where Phil Mickelson, who is now a admitted addict, what he would say is, it's a sickness. I'm not myself. I'm not in my right mind when I'm making these decisions. I'm addicted to the chase. It's not really about the money for me. It's about the need to do it, the fix, what I have to do to get right, to feel right. It's kind of like, why is Tiger Woods or any celebrity 
that has millions in the bank ever getting behind the wheel of a car after they're pilled up or drunk or high when they could call a $7 Uber and never, ever have to deal with any of the consequences. I think it's a feeling of addiction, narcissism, power, invincibility, feeling like nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. But here's the thing. When it comes to addiction, whatever you're addicted to, that substance or that vice does not care about the vessel. You could be Phil Mickelson addicted to gambling. You could be me addicted to gambling. Doesn't matter. It's going to have the same effect on that person. So regardless of how much money you have in the bank or the fact that you have this path paved in gold to ride off into the sunset, that path doesn't look appealing to your brain because your brain is telling you, I have to gamble. I hear what you're saying. My issue with that, and I don't mean to discount anyone's struggles. I'm no judge. I'm nobody. But I have a problem with the subjectiveness of calling addictions disease. I've always had a little issue with that. And I'm not saying it's not serious. I'm not saying that it's not disease-like for certain people. I completely acknowledge that. But like, this isn't heart disease. That's a disease. Addiction is a real thing. Unfortunately, I don't ever take that argument at full strength because there's a subjectiveness to it. And clearly, without question, whether you agree with what I'm saying or not, I don't think you can argue the point that people take advantage of that and they use it in their favor by calling it a quote unquote disease. And what I mean by that is taking advantage by using that as a crutch or a scapegoat or an excuse. I don't fully subscribe to that because of that, because there's a human element involved. It's a slippery slope for me personally, because yes, I think addiction is real. Yes, I've seen it take people I love. I've seen it firsthand. I know of it. But as a society, I think we've made a little bit of a gray area with what that is as far as calling it a disease. And I think people take advantage of that. Does he have a problem with gambling? For sure. But I don't know. Once you start like waving this white flag like you're a sick person... That's tough. Now you're judging figure skating. It's pretty subjective. Heart disease, how the fuck do you argue with that? You don't. Okay, so I see and hear your points and respect them. And I think a lot of people who agree with you would agree based on, if you boil down your argument, it's the fact that there is a perceived choice when it comes to addiction. And there is no perceived choice when it comes to heart disease. You don't choose to have it. You have it. There's no gray area. It is a disease. A lot of people have trouble wrapping their heads around addiction being a disease because there is this feeling from the non-addicted that there is a choice and that if you really wanted to do something, you could stop doing it. And that choice makes it hard for them to accept that addiction is a disease or it creates that gray area that you're talking about. And are there some people that have probably taken advantage of that gray area? Sure. But I would say, and I have seen it firsthand way more than I would care to have in my life, that that illusion of choice actually isn't there. And that's what makes addiction a disease is that the choice isn't there. You are no longer choosing for yourself. Your brain has been overridden by neurological connections, chemical connections that make you do something and make you chase something to the point where you were quite simply out of control. And that's why a lot of people have to hit rock bottom to come out of it and to start 
figuring out ways to get the help so they can start to make the choice. And it's why addicts always talk about one day at a time. But enough about this. Let me formally issue my apology to all of the lost souls buried under the graveyards that I wanted to turn into (laughs) golf courses. Just let's come full circle and tie that one off. Didn't mean what I was saying, but I don't think I'm the only one that's driven by a graveyard and thought about the prospect of turning it into a golf course. So sue me. Are you really a golfer if you don't see in the corner of your eye rolling green hills and you don't think about just laying the sod on a nice eight iron? That's exactly what I was thinking. And that's why I took this stupid little daydreaming thought in my car on the highway into a take that I brought on the podcast and that I will surely go to hell for. Michael Lander and Sally Lander, these are our friends. They live up in Los Angeles. They are blue-collar Hollywood industry professionals currently on strike. By the way, go labor 100%. The reason I bring the Landers up is because we have some exciting business coming up with them. We just went to their mid-century 1950s house in Baldwin Hills, Los Angeles to scout for a photo shoot. We shared some tiki drinks and we scouted the location. And this weekend, we will go up to the Lander's house for what will be our most professional photo shoot to date. We are literally working with two people, three really, who have IMDb resume points on the internet. Are you excited for this photo shoot at the Casa de Lander? (laughs) I don't know what to say. We've, by the grace of our own stupidity, have winged it far too many times. Kind of feels like we're getting called up to the big leagues. I'm really stoked. They've clearly showed us how committed they are and prepared. And it's like, Holy shit, we're having a real photo shoot, you know? So, yeah, this is cool. I also want to thank a lot of our friends who have committed to being a part of it to help us with this, and it's kind of happening fast, but I'm really looking forward to Saturday and watching them as artists work, because I'm already impressed. The location is really cool, and I can't wait to get those tacos down the street. (laughs) Oh, yeah, some street tacos down in Baldwin Hills. It's going to be fantastic. Someone once told me, gave me some great advice, your business model should cease being models for your business. Thus, you and I, who used to model the clothes, are getting out of that game, and we're getting other people to do it, which is great. We'll actually have some usable assets. And why are we going to do a photo shoot right now? Because we have new product, We're excited. It's a five-piece collection that is landing this week. And for the first time in what feels like forever, we'll have some freaking new golf clothes to sell. You just love it. You love it. And you love to see it. You love to wear it. Honestly. And you should really love to buy it. Oh, please. Love to buy it. Yeah. Love to add it to the cart. Yeah. Love to finish that transaction. Love to support the Nation Golf Company. You don't like Los Angeles. We went up there to visit the Lander's house. I've been to LA with you a couple of times. I lived there for eight years. It's where I met my wife. It's where we had our first couple of apartments. She's a native Angelino. It's definitely an acquired taste, but you don't like LA. I wouldn't say I don't like LA. I have lots of fond memories in certain areas, and I I do like certain areas and certain things about it. But as a whole, I would say I'm just not a big city guy in general. I don't even really like San Diego. What do you like? Space, cleanliness, safety, being able to pull up and get a parking spot with no hassle. I guess South Orange County in general. (laughs) (laughs) 
we saw something that really amused you, and by amused you, I mean befuddled you. The trees in Los Angeles, the trees that line the sidewalks. The ones that all the, the roots are just like boiling over, like a pot of pasta that was left on too long. Growing out of the sidewalk. Yeah, and the sidewalks look like mountains, and it's like, when's the city going to get to this? Eh, who gives a shit? Let them roll their ankles. <laughs> Well, what's funny is the trees were tagged with graffiti, and you remarked, oh my God, they tagged the trees here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like, dude, if you're contemplating in your life, and it's late at night, and you're looking over your shoulder, waiting for no headlights so you can get after it, and you're out there in the world, and you're thinking about using spray paint on the trunk of a tree, you've lost the plot. <clears throat> Come on. What are you fucking doing? Figure it out, dude. It looks like shit. You can't even read the fucking writing. And your color choices are suspect, to say the least. <laughs> I just don't get it. I do not get the graffiti thing. Especially on trees. Especially on trees. Well, if you want to come on down and enjoy this idyllic life here in South Orange County, why don't you join us on Saturday, September the 30th for a nation golf party here at the headquarters in San Clemente, we are going to premiere the movie from the 15th annual Nation Desert Classic, which took place in May of this year. We have the video recap ready to go. Thank you, Justin Jung, for putting that together. We will screen it outside on our awning. And on top of that, we will launch our new line, the Commencement Collection. So if you want to come on down for a product launch and a movie premiere Saturday, September 30th. And, and some food, drink, and prizes. I didn't want to promise food and drink because we haven't locked those down yet. Uh, we'll figure it out. Okay, very good. At and the very least, I'll get a rack of Miller Lights and a tray of burritos or something. Some Costco pizza. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Let's hang out together. September 30th, Nation Golf, San Clemente. Look up the address online. I spend all the time putting it on Google and Apple Maps. The least you could do is go find it on the internet. I don't need to give it out here. And what's the start time for this soiree? 6.30. 6.30 post-Meridian. We are excited to see you down here at Nation for our launch party and movie premiere. Always a good time when we can get together and enjoy the fellowship. The final piece of business, the Long Beach Half Marathon is less than a month away. Oh, God. I'm training. I'm just about ready to go. I'm looking forward to conquering this 13.1-mile beast with my friend Jimmer Smith and getting that highly coveted participation medal. I'm a lean, mean running machine. <laughs> and you were talking about the roots growing out of sidewalks and having people roll their ankles. Well, I went for a run this weekend, and in Fullerton, we unfortunately have a lot of those same sidewalks. Yep. I was looking dead ahead. My left shoe caught a piece of uneven sidewalk. I went flying like Superman. The only thing that broke my fall was my left kneecap. Then I went sliding like Ken Griffey Jr. into home plate in 1995. My phone disconnected from my headphones, went down the sidewalk like it was on a damn slip and slide. And I did this at the very busiest intersection in Fullerton. So no less than 50 cars saw me lay out. My phone is scratched. My knee is damn near broken, and I still had a mile to run. And I think when it all happened, and it happened like a flash, I, I just I, I went down, and I went down fast. And I just, at the top of my lungs, <laughs> got back up, 
found my phone, plugged my headphones in, hit play on Spotify, and just continued running as if nothing had happened, just looking for the first turn to get into a neighborhood so the 50 or so cars could stop looking and laughing at me as I trotted off. Wow. This is the guy who will be running the streets of Long Beach on October 15th to claim his participation medal. That is going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. If we finally do our jobs for the first time in a month, we will get this podcast out on a Monday one of these days. Until then, we will talk to you next time. Hey, Adam, before we get out, here are some wise words from Daniel Tosh. If you've ever bragged about doing a half marathon, you can shut the fuck up forever. When did that even become a thing? A half marathon? Ooh. I just finished reading half a book. Yeah, big thick one. Got to the middle, set it down. I'll never look at it again. The point is, until you've shit yourself and your nipples are bleeding at mile 26, you've accomplished nothing and no one wants to hear about it.